Welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are discussing Ronald Billius Weasley, take two, <laughs> again. <laughs> um, as you might know, or hopefully you don't know because you never listened to our first episode, uh, Ron was like our first ever real episode. Um, and... Yeah, because we, uh, we dropped our first episode on his birthday. Yeah. And it's been a running joke for the past two years that it was dad. <laughs> <laughs> and we, like, used up a character where there's a lot to talk about and obviously is a very important character pretty early. So, now we're just going to talk about Ron again. Yeah. I'm trying to think, like... I feel like Lupin we did fairly early on. And Luna. Luna was early Luna's on. Luna's episode is like half an hour. I know, it's crazy. I do think like, even though our house episodes were early on, I really think those were still good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other characters we did like super early on. I don't know. Either, I can't remember. I can only really think of those three. I think we did Draco pretty early too. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Should I go back at our discography? Oh my god, we have 93 episodes? That's crazy. We need to be aware of. Well, yeah, because our number... But, like, the numbers of episodes on Apple Podcasts don't line up with our numbers in our notes. Because, like, if... Like, the couple times we released just, like, little things. Yeah. We, counted them. Well, what... Oh, yeah, this list is 91. I mean, we're still getting close. Well, I mean, it'll be be close. Like, we are close to 100. Sorry, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, it went Ron, Luna, Gryffindor, Lupin, Draco, Slytherin, Lockhart, which I feel like I remember Lockhart being, like, a good episode. Lockhart weirdly has a lot of downloads. Yeah. Myrtle. And then where we did that, like, all the deaths in this series, those two. And then Cedric, then Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, I don't even remember anything about our Draco episode. That could be one that we could re- redo as well, but I don't know. It might have been good. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Somebody let us know. Yeah. Um, so we are organizing this episode quite differently from any, especially character episode we've done in the past. Um, we are trying to like brainstorm ways to cover this in like a new way to like cover things that maybe we didn't think we did such a great job of in the past and to make sure we covered everything. We decided to, instead of breaking it up by like topics or discussion points, we are just going to kind of do like a chronological breakdown of Ron's character. So we're going to go book by book, um, bring up important plot points with Ron, how that ties into larger themes about Ron. Um, We do have like obviously some specific things to talk about, like obviously Ron and like his inferiority, inferiority complex, 
that he has, kind of like his feelings towards Ron and Hermione, um, his relationship with his family, and then Audrey also put in like differences between the movie and book Ron that we can kind of like slip in as we think of big differences, Mm -hmm. Um, but we could also maybe just have a larger discussion about that at the end as well because there are just some like larger themes. It really depends on what we talk about within the like meat of the episode because <laughs> we've never we've never done one like this before so it'll be interesting so bear with us if there are like points that we don't get to and we want to have wrap up like concluding statements we will but if we think that we really said everything we needed or wanted to say then it'll just be like a timeline of Ron's life yeah uh before we go any further I do want to say because I don't think we said it our oh, yes. patron is Salvador, patron of the episode. Um, sorry, Salvador, this isn't a, a comprehensive Percy episode. Uh, but, I mean, it is his brother, so I hope... Yeah, Percy might get a name drop, maybe. <laughs> maybe. We'll I don't even know. <laughs> well, we, there you go. We said Percy, like, four times right now. So. Yeah, there you go. There you go. This should make your day. Okay, so... Starting with Sorcerer's Stone, this feels so weird because when I started these notes, I'm like, I feel like I need to add in the first mention, but we've already <laughs> talked about that, so. Um, so kind of just hitting like the highlights of just like plot points that Ron is involved in. Obviously, like he meets Harry on the Hogwarts Express and they become fast friends. Um, and this kind of ties into the larger theme of like Ron being Harry's like quote unquote guide to the wizarding world. And thus like he becomes the reader's guide to the wizarding world, like especially in these first couple books. And I mean, even carrying out through all of the books, like Ron is the like tying into like Beetle the Bard and having that explained mm. to us and Harry and Hermione by Ron and like what that is. He's the one out of the, like, the golden trio that has lived in the wizarding world, that grew up in the wizarding world, that has, like, wizarding family that he's grown up with, that are alive. So he becomes, like, the de facto, again, like, guide to the wizarding world for us and Harry. He is the one who explains things, who gives that background knowledge. Like, he's, I think he talks about the houses mm. to Harry, um... He talks about, like, chocolate frog cards right on that first, like, Hogwarts Express ride. Like, obviously, he doesn't know everything. Um, He introduces wizard chess to them, but he's kind of their, like, I don't know how many times I can say this without, like, (laughs) redundant, but, like, the guide to the wizarding world. Yeah, and I think that, like, it's such a juxtaposition with, like, Harry and Hermione being totally new into the wizarding world. Like, they don't know anything about it going into it. Um, Hermione, like, only what she's read in books. Uh, But I think it's, like, it really is, like, kind of what, like, sets him apart from the other two in the trio. And I do think that, like, this is something that really gets overlooked, especially in the later movies. I feel like maybe more so in the earlier movies they, like, have him fill in, um, like he does in the books. But I feel like in the later movies they, like they just started really leaning into Hermione knowing everything. Um, Well, I mean, yeah, even in the earlier movies, like, Hermione's the one to explain Mudblood, whereas, like, Ron does that. And she's the one who, like, we hear, like, Ron, I don't think, has a line that's, uh, like, 
similar to this in the book but like in that first movie when we're walking into the great hall for the first time she's the one that's like do you know the ceiling is enchanted to look like the night sky but yeah. it's not really the night sky and like Hermione I'm not says that. that in the book though yeah 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 but like like they choose to highlight that about Hermione mm, yeah. so much more than they choose to highlight about Ron I'm not saying that like Ron is the one to say that in the book or like has that line but like we just get all of that from her and really none of it from Ron yeah yeah for sure um, yeah, so he sorted into Gryffindor. I think that was, like, Ron as a Gryffindor, I think, was one of our, like, topic headers when we did our Ron episode. I remember talking a lot about, like, Gryffindor in that episode. Um, same with, obviously, Harry and Hermione. Um, and then Ron and Hermione's relationship in the first book is, like, really interesting, um, Ron originally like really hates Hermione. He and sees bullies her, as, her. He bullies yes, her. Yes, yes. He sees her as an uptight know-it-all. Um, he like bad mouths her, and which leads to her overhearing, and then her running to the bathroom, which we'll talk about later. Um, but like I said, Ron really sees her as an uptight know-it-all. He's really annoyed by her. He like does not have any desire to hang out with her. How do you feel about... Okay, so, like, one of the things we said we were going to track was, like, their relationship. Yeah. Um, And I know that, like, obviously Ron and Hermione's, like, relationship and eventual marriage is, like, built on so much more than just, like, the first three months they knew each other, right? Like, they are friends for a really long time. But I think it's... I feel a little weird about how this plays into the, like very harmful like I don't know that it's a stereotype but like it's like commonly said thing that like we like adults always tell like young girls they're like oh well that boy's just being mean to you because he likes you and like how that's like such a toxic thing because it teaches girls that like they don't deserve (laughs) to be like taught like to be uh like I can't think of Treated words, right? nicely. Treated nicely. <laughs> um, and, like, that, like, spirals into, like, toxic, uh, abusive, and, like, bad relationships. Obviously, that's, like, an exaggeration in the case of Ron and Hermione. I don't think that, like, that they have an abusive relationship as adults. But it does, like, I just, like, I'm just thinking about this now. It does, like, bother me a little bit that that's, like, how their friendship and eventual relationship starts because I feel like it really plays into that like stereotype that like I it was is I feel like it's better now but it was like constantly being told to young girls and I just like it bothers me and I wish that wasn't the case yeah I think that like one I don't know big difference between kind of like how that stereotype generally plays out and how it plays out in these series with these two is that I really think Hermione also realizes that like not that she was in the wrong with how she acted at the beginning of this book but I feel like she comes to terms with like I I like I was an uptight know-it-all you know what I mean like not that she like deserved to be bullied or deserved to be like talked about meanly but it's not like I feel like she under she was not the most socially adept 11 year old I don't think when she came to Hogwarts and I think she obviously grew and changed so I think that is kind of like a slight like variation on and I think how like the stereotypical one of like what you were talking about plays out 
Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I like, feel like I always forget that. And I also feel like I think it goes on for longer than it actually does because it's really only two months. Yeah. I mean, he continues to like. Because it ends in Halloween. Yeah. Their relationship is very like teasy after that, you know, like he yeah. he's always like kind of making jokes about how she's yeah a nerd and stuff but like she like makes fun of him back like it's very yeah. like it's not one-sided anymore I wouldn't call it and like, like I don't think it's like that. malicious anymore. yeah no yeah. no um although I will talk a little bit in uh in Goblet of Fire about a similar thing um yeah. but I did like it is, like, I feel like I always remember it as, like, the basis of their, like, their relationship and, like, the whole first book, but it's not at all like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, I think one of my favorite things about the Golden Trio is that we do see them, like, feud yeah. <laughs> between themselves so often, and I think that, like, it makes their friendship seems so much more like authentic and beautiful to me that we also see kind of these like tiffs that they have throughout the series because it like I don't know it's not like a flawless friendship but I think it makes it more like a more beautiful friendship that we can see them like go through these things and like still become friends it's like still be friends at the end of it and still like care as much about each other as they do yeah and it's like when push comes to shove like they will be there for each other like never do we have a case like we like there's there's falling outs within the trio pretty much in every book um yeah maybe five is the only one that doesn't well i mean like harry's Harry's moody, Harry's, but he doesn't... Harry's a mess to be around, like, but he snaps at them quite Yeah, that's true, that's five. true. But the, I don't there's know if not there's like, a, like a, a major th- fight. Yeah, there's not like a period of time where two of them don't talk, like sometimes uh, happens in these books. I guess that doesn't really happen in two either, though. But anyway, but by the end of every book, like when shit starts going down and like Voldemort's back or whatever is happening... Like, they are all, like, united and, like, are there for each other. And, it, yeah, I think it is, like, it makes it more realistic that, like, especially, like, from the ages of 11 to 17, like, you fight with your friends, like, a lot, you know? Like, I was thinking about this once, like, semi-recently. I was like, wow, I don't, like, don't, I don't fight with my friends anymore. And I was like, I haven't had a fight with my friends since, like, high school. And then I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, but, you know, when you're in, like, middle school, it's like, Every other week, like, two of two, a, two, a different two of your friends are fighting. <laughs> like, yeah, especially when you go to a boarding school <laughs> and it gets to live together. It breeds drama and yeah. infighting. So it just makes sense that I like that it's portrayed that there's fighting. Yeah. Um, because it, it makes it more realistic as a friendship. Yeah, and again, like, not again, like, not excusing the treatment of Hermione in this book, but they're also, like, 11. They're such babies, you know, like, like, they're not, I don't think any of them are really, like, adept to handle, like, the feelings that they have for each other. Like, not even saying, like, romantic feelings, but just, like, expressing feelings, Mm -hmm. I think, is tough for them at that age, and also, like, 
being empathetic humans I think kind of is hard when you're like at that like middle school age like I feel like it's all about you and especially when everybody's in a new environment like that um I also like if you look at the three of them coming into like Hogwarts and this friendship like I think it's probably fair to assume that none of them have really had like a meaning that meaningful of a friendship before I mean Like, Harry, we know, never had any friends because Dudley wouldn't let anyone be friends with him. And then Ron, like, it presumably only really, like, hung out with his siblings because, like, we, as far as we know, like, he didn't, like, like, they didn't, he didn't, like, go to school or, like, or really interact that much with other wizarding families, it seems like. So, like, he just had, like, his brothers who were always kind of, like, beating up on him a little and Ginny. And then... Hermione, like, obviously went to muggle school and, like, she probably had, like, the most normal friendships, like, childhood friendships out of any of them. But, like, we do know she's a bit of a nerd and, like... She's not super normal. Yeah, she doesn't, like, she doesn't seem super interested in, like, making friends and being social upon getting to Hogwarts. So, like, we can maybe assume that, like, you know, when she was in, like, elementary school or primary school, like, she didn't maybe didn't have a ton of friends and like she's always seemed like a very like mature little kid and you know like when little kids are like adults they like don't really like feel the need to have have friendships with other kids (laughs) like I have my book and like she's an only child so I can imagine her just like you know like hanging out with her parents yeah I mean there's also no indication throughout the series that like she really has any ties to the muggle world besides her parents yeah like it's never said that like oh I'm going home to break to hang out with my friends you know which like I'm sure like when you're 11 like you can kind of like end those friendships pretty easily but yeah no that's a good point yeah so after that long tangent, I think kind of like, I, I don't have this in my notes, but I feel like uh, it goes along with what we were saying with him being like the guide to the wizarding world and uh, the connection to the wizarding world for the trio. He also like provides the family for the trio. You know, we definitely have talked about this in the past, but like Ron gave so much to Harry and one of those things that I think is easy to forget about in a way is that like he provides Harry with like his family going forward throughout the series and the rest of his life, you know, and same for Hermione, especially at the end of the series. For sure. I mean, like Ron quote unquote introduces Harry to like his future wife, you know, (laughs) like I'm, I'm Ron isn't like Harry meet my sister, Jenny, but you know, like (laughs) he's, he's the two connections He's their connections to each other, you know, until they start hanging out on their own. (laughs) But, you know, like, he's the one who, like, provides Harry with Molly, provides Harry with a home to go to in, like, at Christmas break and over Mm -hmm. the summers, Um, like, provides him with Arthur and Molly who care about him. So, like, Ron just, he's so important, like so many different aspects Mm -hmm. obviously he's basically like the second main character I believe like if you look at mentions throughout this series it goes Harry Ron Hermione um but also just like I don't know he just gives Harry so much Mm -hmm. all right going back to the events of the first book so kind of what I alluded to earlier is like Harry Hermione ends up overhearing Ron kind of like shit talking her 
to some other guys and she gets like really upset and she runs to the bathroom and nobody sees her for the rest of the day presumably she's just been in the bathroom all day like the whole day <laughs> which like if you're bath with like i get that like you know in like movie tropes at high school it's like kids just like run to the bathroom but like Hermione's room is a little <laughs> school. <laughs> like, why not just run to your room? But anyways, um, so it's Halloween. They go to the feast. Hermione's still not there. And I think at this point, like, Ron starts, is starting to feel, like, really bad. I think, like, there's something that happens, and he's kind of, like, trying to convince himself that, like, she's fine. Ron's like, it's okay. Like, she'll get over it. It'll be okay. Um, and then, obviously, Coral bust in talking about the troll in the dungeons and then Harry's like oh my god Hermione so they have to go off and be the little heroes that they are and save Hermione from the troll even though like they're really the ones who led the troll to Hermione in the first place (laughs) but this event bonds them for life thank god Quirrell tried to get the troll in the Hogwarts because where would we Where, be without Like, that? what would the trio be without that? Yeah. Cause I think. Well, I think they need like I they needed like a bonding. They needed like yes, because like event. at this point, Hermione. Like, I really think the bond. Obviously, the bonding moment is like they defeat a troll together. But I think also like Hermione takes the blame for this. Like in front of the teachers, mm-hmm. she's like, "It's yeah, my yeah. fault." I wanted to go after the troll. Harry and Ron tried to, like, prevent me. I would be dead if they weren't here. And I think that is kind of... I I think that Harry probably would have, like, been a friend to Hermione no matter what. But I think this is what kind of really, like, pushes Ron over the the edge of, like, okay, like, she's... Like, she's she's good, you know? Like, (laughs) She's cool. (laughs) She's cool. She's cool. (laughs) And I think it Um, is, like... It's kind of what you were saying, like... Not defending Ron bullying her, but, like, Hermione recognizes that, like, some of that was true. And, like, this is kind of the first moment of her being, like, okay, I don't have to be such a goody two-shoes. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, obviously, like, people's personalities are the way that they are. But I think, like, kids... I'm not saying it's really important to, like, point out flaws to kids because, like, that's slippery slope. (laughs) But I think it's, like, I think it's important for them to, like, be self-aware. Yeah. You know? And by her becoming self-aware through this, like, tragic circumstance, (laughs) you know, like, she was able to be more social, like, be have friends and kind of, like, blossom through that, like, from that, you know? Yeah. So... Now they're just the three best friends that there ever was. I actually, I don't think, like, they they become friends after this. Like, I even think there's, like, a line in this series that was, like, from this moment on. It's literally, like, it's the end of the this chapter. Yeah. The, like, last line is, like, and, like... The, Never to be separated it's like, again. <laughs> it's, like, and there are certain things that you can't go through without becoming best friends. And, like, defeating yeah. the troll is one of them or something like that. It's so cute. I want to cry. It's so cheesy, but it's cute. <laughs> um, like, I do I, I do think that, like, they don't just become, like, instant BFFs, you know? Like, they, like, they're friends from here on out. But, like, throughout this year, they obviously become, like, the best friends that they are. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so then, like, kind of the next big thing that happens is, like, the whole mystery with the Philosopher's Stone. Like, what is Fluffy guarding? How do we figure that out? Hagrid's connection to that. And so, like, Ron is there. I don't think he really helps out <laughs> with, like, under uncovering that, like, it's the Philosopher's Stone. That Fluffy's guarding. But, you know, he's just, like, he's around. He's <laughs> there with Hermione and Ron. Um, he's... He's not at detention in the first book. This is true. Contrary to the movie depiction. <laughs> because he was bitten by Norbert and thus in the hospital wing when all this happens. And thus not there when they try to take Norbert up to the astronomy and thus doesn't get caught and thus doesn't go to detention. <laughs> um but so like basically the next big thing is them trying to get the philosopher's stone ron is honestly little help until the chess match (laughs) he's like the one freaking out the most with the devil he does no but he does like he points out the broom tell hermione no but like you know hermione is like she identifies that it's devil's snare and she's like we just need like light and and warmth and she's like if only I could start a fire and he's like literally you have a wand (laughs) (laughs) that is true he kept he kept Hermione or he helped keep Hermione he helped Hermione keep her head there we go words (laughs) um but then obviously his shining moment is the wizard chess obstacle have you been seeing all of those like that's being used as like a sound on tiktok now um i am not really on tiktok but i am aware of its it's that's okay i'm not on tiktok either i just watch all my tiktoks on instagram um i was like talking with one of the kids today and i was like you know that sound from tiktok and they're like I don't know that sound from TikTok. I was like, oh, maybe it's just on old people TikTok then. Because it's that sound where it's like teenagers are scary as shit or something like that. I don't <laughs> you know. know. It's I, like, a, it's I like a line from a song or whatever. And um, I was like, oh, maybe it's just on old people TikTok. And I was like, well, I don't even have TikTok. I watch TikTok on Instagram, which probably makes me even more of a person. <laughs> um, but anyways, that like, oh, that's such a, not me, not Hermione. You, you. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so good. But yeah, like I said, this is a shining moment. Um, Harry and Hermione probably wouldn't have been able to beat the wizard chess obstacle if not for Ron. He's the one who takes charge. He's the one who sacrifices himself so Harry and Hermione can go on. So yeah. It's very sad. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this sacrifice because, so like in the movie, Hermione, like like the quote says, not me, not Hermione, you. So Hermione does not go with Harry past this room. Yeah. Where in the book, Hermione does go with Harry past this room because the next one is the potions room yeah. and that's where Hermione leaves Harry. Just some clarification because I'm going to be talking about Hermi- him letting Harry and Hermione go without him. I think, obviously, there weren't all, like, the complicated emotions that were going on in Seven. But, like, (laughs) in Seven, we see that, like, 
basically Hermione and Harry leaving without him is like one of his greatest fears and insecurities. Mm-hmm. You know, like his a through line throughout all the series is him being so insecure because his two best friends are the brightest witch of her age, like of this generation, mm-hmm. and Harry Potter, the chosen one. And he's kind of always afraid that they will like move on without him, that they can leave him behind, that they don't need him anymore, you know? And I like obviously Harry and Hermione never really consider this. Even when Ron leaves, neither of them really want him to leave. Like I know Harry says, like, fine, then leave, but he doesn't really mean it. <laughs> so I think it's like really interesting. And I'm not sure if this is like really illusion. And I'm not sure if there's really anything more to say about this, but I just thought that it was interesting. Um, yeah. Thinking about this in context of kind of book seven and his insecurities that plague him throughout the series. Yeah, no, that is interesting. And it kind of, like, I feel like it shows how much, like, freer he was maybe as, like, an 11-year-old. And then, like, when, I don't know, puberty and angsty teenage emotions and, like, that, a lot of his insecurities come out that way. And, like, they were more on, like, level footing. Yeah, I mean, Harry had it. Harry had only defeated Voldemort once by by now. Yeah. And, like, Hermione's just, like, a good student, but not everyone's not, like, oh, my God, like, you're some, yeah. you know. Also, about this sacrifice, though, I was thinking, like, it is, I do think it's important to point out um, the difference with the movie, like you did, because it shows that, like, he was, like, the first one to sacrifice and, like, kind of realized that, like, this was, like, Harry needed to do this. And he, like, makes that sacrifice, and then Hermione, like, makes that sacrifice kind of in the next room. Like, she just, like, takes the potion that will send her back, and he takes the one that will send him forward. I think it's, like, I don't know, it's an important distinction that, like, in the book, he's sacrificing just himself, and that instead of, like, in the movie, he's like, oh, yeah, Harry, go forward, like, me and Hermione will stay back. And then, I don't know, it just, like, I feel like it's him, it shows, like, an understanding that, um gets overlooked in the movie yeah um something else I just wanted to point out I I cannot for the life of me remember where I saw this but I thought oh I think it was a super Carlin bros video so they went back and they so you know the clip where like this the horse gets stabbed and like Ron falls on the ground it's all like very dramatic and kind of in slow mm-hmm. motion there you can see in the movie like a piece of like rubble or something like hits his face and instantly a cut appears. So either Rupert Green was hit in the face by something that like cut his face or somebody went back in and like perfectly either cut two clips or like inserted a scrape on his face right like <laughs> the moment the rock hit his face. You should go back and look at it. It's very interesting. That's Anyways. Funny. So yeah, that's like kind of all I really have to say about the first book. Um, like obviously a shiny moment moment is the wizard's chess game. He ends up getting points for it later on to help Gryffindor win the I almost said the World Cup. The House <laughs> Cup. Um so yeah. And he leaves Hogwarts fifth, two best friends for life, one of them being his future wife. That wow. Future wife. And the other being his future brother in law. <laughs> Um, yeah, what a year for Ron. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to second year, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Um, 
oh shoot you know how there are like those memes where it, like it changes like all of the book titles for like a different character so it would be like Ron oh Weasley yeah and yeah the, i wonder we should have we gone should through that up. like oh. it should have been okay the first one i'm gonna say now is ron weasley and the wizard's chess match ron weasley and like what is uh dumbledore call it like the greatest chess match ever played or yeah. something yeah ron weasley <laughs> parody book titles <laughs> i don't know how i'm gonna find this oh I found one. <laughs> Sorry, it's loading. Harry Potter no, books from Ron's point of view. Oh. Have you seen the ones from Draco's point of view? Those are really Those funny. Those ones are funny. <laughs> this says, and this has one as Ron Weasley and the three-headed dog, but like the, I think the wizard chess match, mm, chess so match is better. The second one, this is funny, Ron Weasley and the possessed sister. <laughs> <laughs> That is a good one. Um, so. Or Ron Weasley and the, how dare you steal that car? Your father and I are absolutely <laughs> disgusted. Ron Weasley and, Gr- and the Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Ron Weasley and the Howler. <laughs> um, okay, so Chamber of Secrets starts out. Um, he and Fred and George save Harry from the Dursleys the first time they steal the car. <laughs> um, so we are like picking up right where we left off. I thought off you were going to say the first time they break into the Dursleys' house. I mean that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're kind of just picking up where we left off with like Harry's his best friend. He's his bro. Um, he is kind of like appalled to find out how. Harry lives when he's not at Hogwarts, and well, Harry hasn't been getting letters. Yeah, and Ron hasn't been getting letters back from Harry, so he becomes very suspicious. Yeah, and then like when they get there, they see that like there are literal bars on his window and stuff. So I think this is like Ron's first like time understanding like what Harry's home life has been like, um, what his childhood might have been like. Because I feel like it's never something that they really talk about. Um, and I think definitely as, like, a young kid who's grown up in, like, the household that he had with the with the Weasley family and, like, you know, like, so much love and attention and care, like, it, you definitely just, like, probably assume that, like, all other kids have that. Um, so I think it's interesting. Um, this is probably a little bit of an eye-opening experience for Ron um, and probably, like, helps him understand, like, the importance of, like, his family and, like, allowing Harry into his own family. So then after some time at the borough, they fly the Ford Anglia to Hogwarts and brought him on the entire family. <laughs> he also broke his wand in the in the oh skirmish. <laughs> um, so not a great start to the year for Ron. Um, Another big, like, moment is when he stands up for Hermione after Malfoy calls her a mudblood, and he tries to hex her, hex him, Malfoy, not Hermione, Um, and obviously that backfires, Um, and then this is a difference with the movie where Hermione explains the mudblood, what mudblood means, Um, but in the book it's supposed to be Ron, because this is, like, a slur within the wizarding world that, like, only he would know from growing up, um, like, Harry and Hermione wouldn't have been exposed to that. 
So then we, Ron infiltrates the Slytherin common room with Harry. Um, Ron is Crab and Harry is Goyle. Um, and this is after Hermione has brewed the Polyjuice Potion. Um, I feel like nothing really, like, stands out. I think he, he is dealing with, like, the embarrassment of his family a lot during this book. Um, and Malfoy, like, preys on that a lot. So we see that in the beginning when they're in Diagon Alley. Um, and Malfoy and Malfoy Sr. getting the little tuffle with Arthur Weasley. Um, but he's clearly, like, learning from his, Malfoy's learning from his father that, like, the Weasleys are lesser, like, lesser wizards and blood traders and poor. And I think, like, Ron is feeling a lot of humiliation uh, around his family during this book. And during this time when they're in the Slytherin common room is when Malfoy is reading from the Daily Prophet article, I think, about, um, talking about Arthur um, and how he's, like, in trouble at the ministry and all of that. And I'm sure Ron feels a lot of guilt having caused that with taking the car, but also embarrassment around, like, his family's personal life, like, being, like, advertised um, to the Wizarding World and then also, like, used as a way to bully him from Malfoy. So then Ron faces one of his greatest fears. <laughs> um, he doesn't really... So all throughout, like, I don't know, like, the first few people getting petrified, like, I don't think he's super helpful when Hermione's still around. Granted, like, they don't really make a lot of progress. Um, and then, like, they're just... I don't know, they're all just, like, kind of confused. But then once Hermione is petrified... Um, he goes into the forest with Harry, um, following the spiders. Why couldn't it be follow the butterflies? Um, and they don't really learn anything from it, but I guess it's, like, an act of bravery. It shows he's a Gryffindor. I wonder if he, like, still would have done it if Hermione hadn't been petrified. You know, like, they had, like, some mo further motivation, um, to figure out what was going on with the Chamber of Secrets. And then when everything starts to, like, happen at the end of the book, um, he also, in addition to Harry, has, like, a hero complex trying to save Ginny. And I feel like this is, like, I feel like this is one of the only times where, like, he is, like, more of a driving force in, like, the end of the book events. Because a lot of the times it's, like, Harry's, like, I have to go to, like, I have to go to the ministry. I have to do this, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, obviously, Ron is affected by the fact that, like, his sister has been, like, taken hostage or whatever. Um, and he overhears that she is the student in the chamber um, alongside Harry. And both of them immediately, like, are like, okay, we're going into the chamber. When Lockhart's memory term backfires, it's because of Ron's wand. And... I couldn't remember if it was... So, in the movie, like, they get, like, physically separated on, like, two sides of, like, the rubble. And that's how they decide that, like, Harry will go forward and Ron will stay back with Lockhart. Is that the case in the book as well? Do you know? I think it is. I feel like I remember that being the case in, like, 
that scene where they're like on other side and Ron is like, I'm going to try and like dig my way out, you know, like I'll yeah. meet you over there kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's the same. Um, cause in the, in the movie Harry's like, you shift some of this rock, like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but once again, like they find to themselves in the bowels of Hogwarts and Ron is like kind of forced to like let Harry go forward and I think I don't know this is like a common theme if we're looking at Ron's character and like everything that kind of builds to the insecurities that he feels in later books around like Harry Potter being his best friend um like two years in a row now Ron and Harry have like been figuring things out together all year and then like at the last moment like Harry's the one who's like supposed to go forward and like obviously gets the glory yeah and it like obviously makes a lot of sense in both cases like we Harry's the main character we need Harry to face like Voldemort and then Tom Riddle like one-on-one it would be weird if Ron was there for that um and like Ron does get like accolades and praise for his role in these things but like at the end of the day, the whole school's talking about, like, how Harry Potter, like, saved the Sorcerer's Stone and how Harry Potter saved Ginny from the Chamber of Secrets. And so I think it is very much the sidekick role. <laughs> Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> Honestly. Who do we think got married first? Do you think Ron and Hermione got married first, or do you think Ginny and Harry got married first? Um... Because, like, obviously well, Harry and Ginny had, like, more time dating before, right? Because, like, they had dated well, and Harry for a portion and Ginny of Half-Blood Prince. James is the oldest, right? That is true, yeah. I think probably Harry and Ginny got married first. Because I could see Ron and Hermione just... Yeah, I could feel... I could see Ron, like, waiting until Hermione's like, all right, do you want to get married? Yeah. Like, are we doing this or no? <laughs> Whereas, like, I feel like Harry would probably... I don't know. Yeah. Take charge a little bit more. Yeah, I also... Yeah, that, I feel like that just, like, fits their... Yeah. Characters. <laughs> um, I wonder if... It's interesting. Well, so, like, Percy gets married... To, like, somebody we don't know, right? Audrey. Yeah. I was going to say, so I was, like, I was trying to, would Ron have been the last one to get married? But I doubt well, it. Well, Charlie doesn't Percy, get married, right? That's true, yeah. Well, so, like, Bill's already married. Fred is dead. <laughs> I could see definitely, I could see George and Angelina, like, eloping, honestly. Like yeah, but I think quickly. it would take a, at least a few years because, like, I feel like George yeah. has to, like, grieve Fred. For- yeah, yeah, yeah. But I could see, like, George and Harry, George and Ginny being married before Ron. But I feel like Percy would probably be after. I know, because yeah. it's, like, somebody we've never heard of before. So, like, presumably, he doesn't meet her till post-seven. Yeah. I guess he is Not older, that we know a ton so about Percy's life, though. That's true. But I could see him getting, like, them getting married at, like, 40, you know? Like, yeah. him getting married quite old. There you go. Another Percy mention for you. <laughs> there you go, Salvador. <laughs> Um, anyways okay so anyway um ron gets awarded special service to the school um i believe after this is when he gets his new wand right like 
his parents are like, okay, well, we'll like take you back into our good graces now. You've like saved your sister. Um, <laughs> Do you we think can drop that? the seven galleons or whatever it is for a while? Yeah. Eleven. It's either seven. I think it's or eleven. Do you think that they that the like Molly and Arthur at the end of like this year were like. I t- looked at like Percy, Fred, and George, and we're like, "What the fuck were you doing? That like you let your two youngest siblings like get into this mess? Like, why did you falter Ron and Harry to go save Ginny when like, like Percy is like a seventeen year old? Like he is like of age. Yeah. yeah. And like I'm sure that like Molly and Arthur, even after one year or two years of Harry being friends with Ron, they're like used to this by now. But also like. Why is it up yeah. to the the twelve year olds or the thirteen year old? Like, I guess Ron's the 13. one twelve year old yeah. and one thirteen year old. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say. Do you think after this year, Arthur and Molly like sued Hogwarts because? <laughs> I mean, they could use the extra cash. Too. Honestly, what if the like ministry reward, like what if the like lottery or whatever that they win over the summer was actually just like a covered up like settlement <laughs> yeah. and they tell and, like, the kids Hogwarts that it, the they ministry. like won something just to, yeah like... <laughs> and like they, they didn't like in the daily profit they say it was winnings because like the school didn't want the bad publicity <laughs> it was hush money like fair i mean the professors did nothing <laughs> and Ginny was like literally the, no the professor sent lockhart down there that's, that's what they did no but i like, mean like all of the year worse. too they just kind of that's like true. like how did they not figure like how did they not know what the chamber of secrets was <laughs> i couldn't tell you how did none of them talk to myrtle if we know myrtle <laughs> you would have thought dumbledore would have thought to talk to myrtle at some point in the past 50 years <laughs> honestly <laughs> Um, I mean, he was a teacher at the school when this first happened. Yeah. Like, you think he... This like, is, I like, guess one Myrtle, of Dumbledore's, I guess Myrtle's, like, major faults is that he, yeah. like, needed a 12-year-old to figure out the chamber secret. Yeah, I guess Myrtle didn't come back as a ghost because first she, like, haunted all of Hornby. So maybe she wasn't, like, readily available to talk to. Okay. Then. But now, no excuse. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just overall from, like, the second book... Ron's start to the year is pretty rough. He got in trouble with his parents, and he's, like, feeling a lot of embarrassment. Um, He's also, like, made to feel, I feel like, a lot more inferior within his family because this is a really big year for Ginny. Um, She's starting Hogwarts, and she's struggling, so, like, everyone's trying to look after her, even, like, Fred and George and Percy. Percy is head boy at this point. Um, Fred and George are always kind of doing their own thing, but, like, I feel like especially with Ron kind of, like, messing up at the beginning of the year, I feel like he kind of would, like, fall to the wayside as far as, like, within the family. Um, and also, I didn't talk about this, but he must be feeling slightly weird about Ginny being at Hogwarts and having a crush on his best friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he ends up being very helpful in figuring out the chamber and going into the forest and the chamber, and he's very brave, and he ends up in, like, good favor at the end of the book. And like I said, he gets rewarded by getting a functioning wand. <laughs> Bare minimum, guys. And a uh, uh, well, special was also service his to the first, school. It was also his first wand, really. Yeah, his, his first, first wand, wand was Charlie's yeah. wand. Yeah. So, yeah. Just a 
a wild year for one Ron Weasley. <laughs> All right, what's a prisoner to ask band title? Oh, sorry, let me change tabs here. It says Ron, Ron Weasley and the rat that isn't a rat. <laughs> I was going to say, it's got to have something to do with scabbers. <laughs> um, so Ron in this book is kind of like weird. I don't know. Um, so the book starts off like we talked about. The Weasleys had won a bunch of money, or 50 galleons, I think it was. Uh, it was 50. That's weird, though, because, like, in, yeah, if how it's is, 50 galleons and a one-fifth of that 11, Yeah, like, how is it, like, a trip to Egypt is only five times more expensive than a wand? I mean, I guess, like, travel costs are less in the wizarding world, whereas, like, travel costs in the real world are, like, Yeah, but they're still, like, travel, they're still, like, it's still a vacation for seven people, or I guess, like, six people, because Bill already lives there, but, like, what? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, so they win a bunch of money, they go to Egypt to visit Bill, and they come back and they meet Harry and Hermione at the Leaky Cauldron before Hogwarts starts at Diagon Alley. They all go shopping together for their things, and Arthur at one point pulls Harry aside to talk about Sirius Black, which is the Sirius Black storyline is most of the storyline this book. There's no, like, defeating Voldemort at the end. Mm-hmm. This is, like, the only book that doesn't have that. The through line throughout this book is Sirius Black and, like, semi-scabbers, but you don't know how important that is till later. Um, but Ron's storyline is heavily tied up into the Scabbers storyline. That's, like, really the biggest part of this book for Ron. So, like, Scabbers has started to feel poorly since Scabbers found out that Sirius Black escaped from prison or from Azkaban. Um, so they go to the Magical Menagerie to get some rat tonic for Scabbers. And we learn that Scabbers has fully outlived his life expectancy <laughs> and it's suspicious that he's still alive like which six times yeah. yeah um and the lady's like are you sure there's nothing special about this rat Ron's like nope just a rat you know and while they're there Hermione picks up Crookshanks um which Scabbers and Crookshanks ended up being like pretty big characters throughout this book and like this all leads to like Crookshanks attacking Scabbers on multiple occasions and eventually like Scabbers faking his own death, thinking that Crookshanks murdered him, which <laughs> makes Harry or which makes Hermione and Ron feud. They kind of been like feuding for a lot of the year because Ron is just upset that Crookshanks keeps attacking Scabbers. <laughs> um, but Crookshanks killing Scabbers is just the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> and they're like not talking for a good portion or not maybe not a good portion but for well, a little bit now and on top of this we get the like firebolt stuff yes yeah so that's also adding to like the Ron and Hermione feud because Harry was gifted a fireball I think like he got it around Halloween honestly if I'm remembering correctly because, like, his broom, I think his broom gets destroyed in the first game, and then by the second match, he's already gotten the second Yeah, the was it for, wasn't it a Christmas present? No, I think it was just, like, he got it randomly. He uh. didn't get it on Christmas. Um, 
and like Ron is all for it, whereas Hermione is like the one who kind of rats them out to McGonagall. And McGonagall has to take the broom to inspect it to make sure that Sirius Black didn't send it and isn't trying to kill Harry, which is ironic because Sirius Black, in fact, did send it, but is not trying to kill <laughs> Harry. Um, and so, like, Ron and, Ron and Harry were already kind of, like, pissed off at Hermione. And there's also the Marauder's Map storyline mm-hmm. where Hermione also kind of... She never, like, rats them out for the Marauder's Map, but she's, like guys this is not safe like we should tell an adult and they're like shut up so like the scabber storyline I kind of covered but how that there are like kind of two other storylines so there's like the serious black storyline and then there's the buckbeak storyline as well so like with serious black serious black is like obviously escaped Azkaban and everybody thinks he's coming after Harry and he keeps like getting closer and closer to Hogwarts the Dementors start hanging around and one night Sirius Black had broken in to the common or into the Gryffindor Tower and into the dorm and Ron actually wakes up and sees Sirius Black standing over him with a knife which like I feel like that's not talked about enough, how traumatizing that must have been for Ron. I mean, Ron likes to tell the story, though. <laughs> that is true, but, like, he, he like, um he does, like, retell it, and it gets, like, more and more exaggerated every time he tells it. Like, I think, at, like, at the end, it's, like, he fought off Sirius Black. <laughs> um, but still, I feel like that had to have been, yeah, that's... like... I feel like that's a, like, obviously it's nightmare inducing, you know, like even, not even the fact that it was like serious black, but just like waking up to somebody standing over your bed <laughs> with a knife, like what? Um, but yeah, so like that Ron is like directly involved with serious black because of that and also his connection with Harry. But like, obviously we learn later that like serious black was trying to kill scabbers, not Ron. Ron was like never really in danger at all. <laughs> And then with Buckbeak, so Buckbeak is on trial for attacking Draco Malfoy earlier in the year, and Ron, Harry, and Hermione tell Hagrid that they'll help him in any way to try and get Buckbeak off, but Hermione quickly becomes busy with her many, many classes and her time-turning ways and really doesn't have time to help Hagrid, and Harry is very busy with um, Quidditch at this time as well so he's unable to help Hagrid so it really ends up falling on Ron towards the end of it um, Ron is the one who really helps Hagrid fight his case with Buckbeak and I think this is like I feel like we've talked about this multiple times before but like Hagrid's friendship with the trio is kind of always I know I feel like it's always in context of like Hagrid's relationship with Harry and I know that like Hagrid really cares about Ron and Hermione as well and like Ron and Hermione are obviously still like very close with Hagrid but I feel like it's still always just like within the context of their their mutual relationship with Harry but I think this shows that like I don't know like they also really cared about Hagrid Ron and Hermione Mm. and like vice versa it's, like, really one of the only instances that we see, like, a Hagrid storyline where, like, Harry's not really directly involved with a lot of it. Um, that, like, Ron and Hermione are more directly involved with it. So, I think that that's always important to point out. Um, and then, wrapping up the plot of A Prisoner of Azkaban, Ron finds Scabbers after Buckbeak's, quote-unquote, execution... 
Sirius Black as a dog attacks Ron and Scabbers. He drags Ron and Scabbers into the Whomping Willow through to the Shrieking Shack. Harry and Hermione follow right after Ron's leg is broken, and thus he's, like, down for the count for the rest of the night. But he is present for, like, all of the reveals and all of the information mm-hmm. that we learn in the Shrieking Shack. But he does not join Harry and Hermione when they go back in time uh, later in the book because he is in the hospital wing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's not, like, really a whole lot going on with Ron this book. I don't know. Like, besides his feud with Hermione, and, like, obviously... Yeah. Because, like, I feel like this is more of, like, an anomalous feud, because, like, the one in Goblet of Fire ties back into, like, his inferior inferiority complex and, like, his relationships. Um, but I think this, like, is honestly a lot of, like, third party involved, like... <laughs> With Scabbers, with Crookshanks, with the broom, like, with Sirius Black. Like, it's just kind of a continuation on, like, the fact that Hermione is still kind of-ish a stuck-up know-it-all. Goody two-shoes, that bothers Ron and her- Ron and Harry, but... I mean, yeah. Also, the Scabbers thing is weird because, like, I think it was Freddie Freddy George points out, like, Ron, did you even care about Scabbers until, like, you thought yeah. he was gone? Like, so it's, like... the. The reasoning is not super clear. Yeah. I know, it's almost like just Ron, like, wanted to be mad at somebody, and it ended up being Hermione, but we don't really know why he wanted to be mad at somebody. This is, like, like... uh, Like, they just want to, like, play the victim, which I feel like is not a super Ron thing to do. I don't know. Goblet of Fire is, like, puberty hit, and Prisoner of Azkaban is, like, prepubescent angst. Like... Yeah. (laughs) He's just, like mad and he doesn't really know why yeah it yeah I don't know it's like it's never really like I have nothing compelling to say about the Hermione and Ron feud in this book it's just kind of like it's just like childish yeah I mean they are like 13 14 I guess both really Ron and Hermione are mostly 14 but yeah I don't know I have nothing grand to say about it. It <laughs> happened. Yeah. They make up by the end, obviously. Yep. Okay, so now that we're almost halfway through the series <laughs> and in anticipation of having a lot to talk about, um, with four particularly, we are going to cut this episode in half. So... Sorry we didn't warn you at the beginning. We, like, really didn't anticipate splitting it in half. We weren't sure like, we how both, long it would take. Yeah, we both were, like, considering as a possibility, but we both said before we started recording, like, eh, we really don't have that much to say. <laughs> like, we could probably do one episode, and yet here we are. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, that was one through three. Um, and tune back into our next episode for four through seven. So you can catch our episodes um, dropping on every other Tuesday on any of your podcast platforms. And um, if you like what you hear, please go leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Help us get that number up there and get the podcast out to more people. Yeah, you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and Wizard Studies on Twitter. You can join our Facebook group at Wizard Studies Podcast Group. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wizardstudies. 
As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Bye.